I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We will complete this Sunday our series that we've been working through over the last five weeks, this being week six of our series through the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, We have unpacked verse by verse, walking through phrase by phrase, seeking to understand exactly what Jesus is communicating through this prayer, how it should impact for us the way that we pray the way that we seek to commune with our Heavenly Father in prayer. I don't know if there are things that surprise you that shouldn't surprise you, but for me, I enjoy running. I had somebody look at me one time. They said, you don't look like a runner. And I said, thank you, I think. I'm not sure what that means. But one of the things that's funny is I run through the trails in our neighborhood. And these trails have all kinds of wildlife in them. And without fail, about every month or every two months as I'm running through, some animal will come out in front of me in the trail. The very first time it happened, I'm running along, I've got my headphones in, I'm running, and all of a sudden, two deer come right across the trail in front of me. Absolutely terrified me. I was like, wow, okay. Just got to be prepared for that next time. Probably two months after that, I'm running and I come out of a clearing and right up ahead of me, a bobcat simply walks out right in front of the trail. Of course, I stop, (laughs) go the opposite direction and run away from the bobcat and a few weeks after that, I'm running again, and, and a hog comes and crosses the trail right in front of me. And now, for you, you'd sit back and you'd go, there's an easy way to fix that, Pastor. Don't run in the trails, right? Run on the pavement in your neighborhood or on the sidewalks. That would fix the problem. You wouldn't have to worry about that. But every single time that it happens, I'm surprised. And then terrified, and then surprised, and then terrified. And I think, I don't need to do this anymore, right? You know, what's interesting is for us, as we think about the Christian life, I think if we're not careful, we will approach the Christian life as if it's a vacation. When in reality, the Scripture paints the portrait that the Christian life is a battlefield. That every single day as followers of Jesus, we are engaged in a spiritual battle in our lives. And like me running through the trails, when those moments come up in our lives and we remember that we're engaged in a spiritual battle, we're surprised. Like, I forgot. I didn't see that coming. I wasn't expecting that. And what I want us to recognize and understand is that Jesus in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6, as we think about prayer, as we think about communing with our Heavenly Father, gives us the reminder that we are engaged in a spiritual battle and we are desperately in need 
of God's help to navigate this life. That it should not surprise us when we face trials, when we face difficulties, when we face circumstances where we recognize and see that we're engaged in a spiritual battle, it shouldn't surprise us. And I think for Jesus here, as he's teaching us how to pray, that this should be for us a daily opportunity for us to prepare our hearts and our minds for the spiritual battle that we encounter day in and day out. So that we will not be surprised, but we will be prepared for the battle that we are in. I want to read the text for us again, as we've done the last five weeks, closing out this sixth week through this text. This is what Jesus says, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, walking through verse 15. And then we'll zoom in this morning on verse 13 together. Jesus said, and when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see and you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As we look together this morning, zooming in on verse 13, I want to remind you what has led up to this moment in the text. Remember that Jesus' disciples could have asked him to teach them how to do any number of things. Teach us how to perform miracles. Teach us how to walk on water. And yet they asked Jesus to teach them one thing, and that is teach us how to pray. They had watched him pray. They had seen his intimate relationship with his heavenly father. And for them, it was something they desperately desired for themselves. And they knew that it was only possible through prayer, through communion with their heavenly father. So Jesus, you got this thing figured out. Teach us how to pray. And so as we've navigated through the text over the last five weeks, we have seen Jesus do just that. The first week we covered the posture of prayer. How do we approach God in prayer? 
We looked at verses 5 through verse 8, and we recognize that Jesus reminds his disciples, reminds us that prayer is private communion with our heavenly Father. It's not what the religious leaders were doing, which was praying and open places so that people would look at them and go, wow, look how spiritual they are. That's not what prayer is about. And prayer is also not some secret formula that we have to come up with to be able to get God to listen to what we need him to listen to. In fact, Jesus said that God already knows exactly what we need before we even come to him. And so as we approach God in prayer, we come to him privately and we come recognizing, knowing that he already knows what we need before we ask him. So prayer is primarily about communion with him, spending time with him. And then Jesus reminded us in verse 9 in the phrase, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, the great privilege that we have to come to God in prayer. That we come to God on the basis of our relationship with His Son Jesus as one of His children. We're able to call Him our Heavenly Father. And it is God, the same God who created Everything that exists, who spoke all of creation into existence, who told the Son where to go, that is the God that we come to in prayer. We have the privilege to come and to give praise to His name. And then in verse 10, we saw the purpose of prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer is primarily not us getting God to do what we want Him to do. That He's not some cosmic genie in the sky or some cosmic vending machine waiting to give us whatever we want. If we simply press the right buttons, no prayer is primarily about us aligning ourselves with what God is doing and what God wants to do both in this world around us and in our lives personally. It's about getting on the same page with Him. And then we saw in verse 11, the plea of prayer, give us this day our daily bread, that for every single one of us, we are desperately in need of what only God can provide, that there is not a need that we have that he is not able to provide. And as we said, that it reminds us Jesus Christ, the great bread of life, our deepest spiritual need. Only he is able to fill. And then we saw last week, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The pardon of prayer. The reminder for us, if we are walking in relationship with Jesus Christ, that sin in our lives will hinder our ability to fellowship with God through prayer. And not only will sin hinder that, but so will unforgiveness in our lives hinder our ability to commune with our Heavenly Father. And now Jesus comes to this last phrase, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of your translations may say from the evil one. As we take note of verse 13 this morning, I want us to Keep this main idea at the forefront of our mind. If you're taking notes, this is where you can begin to write this down. In prayer, we have the ability to prepare for the spiritual battle 
that we face every single day. Let me remind you, it should not surprise us as followers of Jesus that we are engaged in a spiritual battle day in and day out in our lives. It should not surprise us in our marriages. It should not surprise us as parents raising our kids. It should not surprise us in the world that we're living in that we are going to be facing spiritual battles day in and day out. Teenagers, let me just remind you that you are engaged in a spiritual battle as a follower of Jesus in your school. It should not surprise us that we are engaged in this battle. And Jesus here lays out for us how we prepare ourselves for that battle. How we get ready. How we prepare our minds and our hearts for this battle that we are daily engaging in, in communion and relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus lays out for us here these words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The great cry of our prayer here is in recognition of the battle that we are engaged in. Dependence on the Lord providing what we need to engage that battle. So I want you to notice this first phrase. Lead us not into temptation. If you're taking notes, you can write down this first phrase truth that we see as we come to the Lord in prayer, we should ask for God's protection. We should ask for God's protection. Lead us not into temptation. This dependence on the Lord's protection as we navigate the trials and the tribulations, the difficulties, the battle that we experience day in and day out in our lives. Now you may look at this phrase and you think, okay, well, does that mean that God is like leading us into temptation and we need him not to do that? Well, of course, that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. In fact, you'll see this explained a little bit more. You may want to write this beside verse 13 in your Bible. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. In the first part of James chapter 1, James lays out for us that we as followers of Jesus face trials and tribulations in our life because those things are used by God in our lives to strengthen our faith to grow us and mold us and to shape us into who God desires for us to be. And then in verse 13, we're reminded of that once again in James chapter 1. But then he says this, that God is not tempting any of us. Never lose sight of the fact that God is not sitting in heaven going, "Mm, how can I get them today? Ooh, let's throw this at them and see how they do. That's not the way God operates but I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that God does allow us to walk through difficulties in our lives. God does allow us to experience temptation in our lives through what's going on around us, either from within or from without. In fact, you see this most clearly in the book of Job, a choice servant of the Lord that 
We see this interplay going on in chapter 1 of the book of Job where Satan is having a conversation with God about Job. Job is a righteous man. Job is pursuing God with all of his heart. And there's a conversation in the heavenlies that goes on and Satan says, there's one reason that he's walking in obedience to you. There's one reason that he's praising your name. There's one reason that this man is righteous because his life is very easy. He's got everything he could ever imagine. He's got a great family. He's got great possessions. God, you have blessed him. You have given him everything his heart could ever want. That's the reason that he's praising you. But if you took all that away, He would curse you. And the Lord gives Satan some leeway in Job's life. He says, you can take away all that he has. Family, possessions, you can take it all away. You just can't touch him. That's exactly what transpires in the early chapters of the book of Job. Job loses everything. And God has allowed that to take place. And interestingly, throughout that ordeal, Job continues to praise the Lord. He doesn't understand why it's happening. He doesn't grasp what's going on behind the scenes. He doesn't understand any of that. But what he knows is that God is good and regardless of what he may have lost, he can still praise God. And Satan comes back to the Lord and he says, here's the problem. You've let me take everything that he has, but you've not let me touch him. He still has his health. If you let me take that, God, he will curse you. And again, the Lord gives him leeway in that. Job loses his health. And Job's wife says to him, you need to curse God and just be done. And Job is unwilling to do that. Continues. Even though he doesn't understand, he doesn't comprehend the fullness of what is taking place, chooses to praise God even in the midst of the storm that he's walking through. Here's what I want us to be reminded of. It is often in the storms and the difficulties and the struggles in our lives as followers of Jesus when we are most tempted to choose not to walk with the Lord. Like Job experienced, when things are going well, we don't think a whole lot about it. In fact, sometimes we are so lulled to sleep that we think that the Christian life is just a vacation until that moment happens, until that diagnosis comes through, until we lose a loved one, until our marriage is on the rocks, until the addiction is overtaken. It is those moments where we recognize and understand the spiritual battle that is taking place in our lives. And for Jesus here, in teaching his disciples 
how to pray. I want you to notice what he does not say, which we're often tempted to say. God, get me out of this. How do we fix the difficult situations in our lives, the struggle in our lives? Well, our first thought is, God, get me out of here. Let me hit the eject button so that I can get out of this situation. But the reality is for us as followers of Jesus, we're reminded that it is those difficult situations in our lives that the Lord allows us to walk through so that it will mold and shape us into the person that he's called us to be. And so Jesus in offering how we approach God in prayer and communion with him says these words, lead us not into temptation. Not lead us not into the circumstance. But God, in the midst of the circumstance, when the temptation comes for me to trust not you, but something else, God, protect me through it. Not God, get me out of it. But God, protect me as I walk through it. Let me trust your goodness. Let me trust your promises. Let me believe that you have provided a way of escape from the temptation. We don't have to succumb to that in our lives. We can pursue righteousness. We can pursue the Lord. We can walk in obedience with Him. But so often, we're tempted when that struggle comes, when that difficulty enters our picture to walk away from the Lord altogether, to choose not to trust Him, but to try to figure out how we get out of this on our own, or to pursue something entirely opposite of what God has called us to pursue. And Jesus here for us says, God, lead us not into temptation. God, protect us as we navigate these difficulties to walk in obedience to you. Now, I want you to think about this in relation to the one who's uttering these words. The scripture reminds us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ has experienced every temptation that we experience, and yet he is without sin. He perfectly kept the law of God, perfectly, righteously on our behalf. What we could not do, Jesus was able to do. And so as he says these words, lead us not into temptation, I can't help but think about what he endured on our behalf leading up to the cross. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, prior to Him being crucified on our behalf, something that we will celebrate and remember later on in our service as we celebrate communion together. That Jesus, before His heavenly Father, prays a simple prayer, knowing that the cross is in His future, knowing that the sinless Lamb of God would take on your sin and my sin and pay the debt that we owed as a result of our sin, laying His life down for us. He utters the prayer to His heavenly Father. 
God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. God, if there's another way that this can be accomplished, let it be accomplished. But he follows that up with, not what I will, but what you desire. Providing for us a model for our prayers in the midst of the struggle and the difficulties in our own lives where we would look and say, God, get me out of this. Not my will, but your will be done. And if I have to endure this, if I have to walk through this, may I be like my Savior who did not succumb to the temptation not to endure the cross, but willingly went to the cross on our behalf, may we willingly walk through the struggles and the difficulties in our lives as believers where we are tempted but choose to walk in obedience to the Lord and not succumb to the temptation that is before us. Think about that in relation to your marriage. Think about that in relation to raising your kids. Think about that in relation to losing a loved one. The temptation that will come as a result of that. The struggle that will endure as a result of that. But the hope that we have that we can join our Savior in walking in obedience to His Heavenly Father through those circumstances and situations, not due to our own strength and our own power, but as Jesus outlines for us here, a total dependence on the Lord's protection as we walk through it. You may have come in this morning and for you, you are walking through one of those situations right now and you're wondering, Pastor, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth continuing to pursue Jesus in the midst of this. I really, if I'm being honest, just want to throw my hands up. I really, if I'm being honest, don't want to be sitting here right now. If I'm being perfectly honest, I've actually thought about pursuing something entirely opposite of God's plan for my life. I encourage you this morning to take this moment of opportunity before the Lord right now in your heart, in your mind to simply say, God, you know exactly what I'm walking through. God, lead me not into temptation. Protect me as I walk through this. Give me the strength to pursue you in righteousness, not succumbing to the temptations that are surrounding me in this moment, but choosing to pursue you through this season of struggle. We should ask for God's protection. Not only that, the second phrase but deliver us from evil. Not only should we ask for God's protection, but we should ask for God's deliverance. We should ask for God's deliverance. Now, when you look at that, you could look around us, especially what transpired this past week in Texas, and go, there is evil all around us. 
It's moments like that that remind us of the truth of the world in which we live, a world that is broken by sin, a world that is longing for its redemption by the Creator. And yet we look at our own lives and have to be reminded of the same truth for us. That every single day that we wake up, we are engaged in a battle with evil forces all around us. Satan and his demons are doing everything they can to knock us off course, to push us not to pursue God in our lives. They're doing everything they can to cause you not to pursue righteousness. They're doing everything that they can to knock you off course. How do we fight that? How do we engage in that battle? How do we prepare our hearts and our minds with that reality? How do we, like Jesus here, utter a prayer to the Lord God, deliver us from evil? Well, here's one thing that I think is helpful for us to be reminded of. If we know that we're engaged in a battle, if we know that it is a spiritual battle, then for us, we should prepare ourselves for battle. There is not an army that goes into battle that does not first get prepared to go in to battle, to arm themselves, to put on the defenses that they need to engage in this battle. And the same thing is true for you and for me as followers of Jesus. That God has provided exactly what we need in the midst of the evil that we encounter day in and day out of our lives to prepare our hearts and our minds to engage in that battle, to be protected. You say, help me understand that. If you want to write simply in your Bible, write there, deliver us from evil, right beside that. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We see Paul there speaking about the armor of God that enables us to withstand the attacks of the evil ones against us. That we have the opportunity to prepare our hearts and our minds for the battle that we are engaging in. We have defensive mechanisms that we see in the text. We have offensive mechanisms that we see played out in Ephesians chapter 6 as well. But here's the problem. Too often we're oblivious to the fact that a battle is going on. Too often we're oblivious to the fact that the enemy that we engage with is like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. We should not be surprised that we are engaged in a battle. But I want you to be reminded this morning of an important truth as well. The one who prayed in verse 13, deliver us from evil, is the same way in John chapter 17 who prayed that we would be delivered from the evil one and the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed with his heavenly father. But what I want you to take note of and be reminded of is the one here who says deliver us from evil is the same one who on the cross and through his resurrection actually did it. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. The only one who is able to deliver us from evil 
is the one through his life, death, and resurrection conquered sin on our behalf, conquered death on our behalf, conquered evil on our behalf, and reigns right now in righteousness at the right hand of the Father. I want you to hear me this morning. We don't engage in this spiritual battle that we are called to engage in, unsure of whether or not we will win. We engage in this battle with the assurance that Jesus Christ has already won. He has already conquered evil. And the reminder for us is the only way that we too can conquer evil is through Him. Through the salvation His life, death, and resurrection provides. Through the strength that His Holy Spirit at work in our lives gives us the ability to walk in obedience to Him armed with the armor of God. And you may be here this morning and for you, This has simply reminded you of this truth. You don't yet have what you so desperately need, and that is a relationship with your Creator through Jesus Christ, His Son. But you have an opportunity this morning, by faith, to trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. I want to ask you, if you would, this morning to bow your heads and Close your eyes. We'll have a few moments together as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Simply to spend some time in reflection of the truth of God's Word, of the great hope that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You may have come in this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have an opportunity this morning by faith to receive the free gift of salvation. It was free to you, but it cost Jesus His very life. but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave securing salvation for you and you this morning have the privilege and the opportunity to receive that free gift. If you need to talk with someone about that, we'd love to talk with you to help you take that step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you may have come in recognizing that at this moment you are engaged in a spiritual battle. You may have been oblivious to it up until this point, or you may have known, but not really known what to do. You may have been tempted to 
try to fix it yourself, may have been tempted to walk away from the Lord and just throw your hands up, may be tempted to pursue a path of sin instead of walking in obedience to the Lord through this season. But if that's you this morning, would you take this opportunity before you and the Lord simply to pray verse 13 today? Father, you know exactly what's going on in every single of our lives this morning. God, you know those here that have not yet taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. God, would you call them to yourself this morning? That they would respond by faith believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, who has paid for their sin, who rose from the dead. And Father, would you give them the courage right now to place their faith and trust in Him for their salvation? Father, for the believers who are here this morning that are walking through struggle and difficulty right now, would you deliver them from temptation? Would you deliver them from evil? God, would you give them the courage to trust you, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your promises, that God, even in the midst of the storm and the struggle, that they can walk in obedience to you. ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll stay seated where you are for a few moments with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, preparing your heart to celebrate communion together with your church family. I want to let you know that as these elements begin to be passed out, that you may not yet have taken the step of trusting Jesus as your Savior. I'd encourage you not to, to take one of those. You may have kids who have not yet taken that step either. And I'd just encourage you not to allow them to participate in this. And they may not be super happy with mom and dad in this moment, but use this as an opportunity when you go home today to share with them the significance as we take this morning the bread and the cup, the significance of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. After everyone is served this morning, we will take part in celebrating the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ together. And then we'll have the privilege of celebrating that once again as we have one that will be baptized this morning by Pastor Aaron.